Hey, how's it going, Hey Founded listeners? This is your host, Justin Ardell, with the Investor Bites segment of the Hey Founded podcast. On this segment, we bring in Boston's best, brightest, and most experienced investors and advisors to give you founders the advice needed to take your venture to the next level. Thank you for tuning in. Today, we have David Hendred here on our Investor Bites segment. He's here to talk about validating your product, validating your venture, as well as growing it and scaling it at every stage and the implications of that pressure testing, and so forth. Now, David is a managing director at Augmentum Ventures. He has perspectives from many sides of the table as a founder, investor, advisor, and so much more. He loves everything entrepreneurship. And David, uh, we'd love for you to take it away, explain your background even better for our, for our listeners here. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Hey, Justin, thanks so much for having me. What a, what a pleasure. And you guys are doing a great job. You hit the nail on the head, really love entrepreneurship. Uh, I love being part of the entrepreneurial community. I've been really lucky to have experience on on a bunch of sides of the table, starting with being a lawyer, working with entrepreneurs, and then later starting a a venture capital firm, uh, and having been involved in uh, different companies from, I think, every side of the table at this point, from operator to advisor to board member to investor, and you know, it's it's just great because entrepreneurship can be a pretty tough and lonely place. And I think things like this that help people have a sense of community and know that there are others out there as as resources is is just is great. It's very helpful. Appreciate it, David. And I, I think just if we can get right into it, could you just explain the concept of pressure testing, uh, pressure testing a problem, validating your idea, why it's important to founders, just to get that baseline knowledge for our listeners? Well, you know, I would argue that pressure testing your idea is important for everybody, okay? Because part of it is about the success factor of seeing reality for what it is and adjusting for it okay so every entrepreneur comes at problem with some kind of solution right so the first thing is you know what's the solution and does it work but even more fundamental than that is is a real problem to be solved and uh because oftentimes you've got a a solution in search of a problem or a, a technology in, in search of an application when you got to look at these things because um, they need to make sense if, you know, the usual context in which people are thinking about this is going out to raise capital, right? And that's, that's a pretty tough crucible, but uh, it is, that's a process where you have to explain what you're doing and what the relevance is in a way that is going to motivate people to write a check and support the venture. But at the core of that, the idea, the solution, the problem, the application, the plan needs to make sense to the entrepreneur because you're not, you know, a, you're not going to be able to do a very good job explaining it to somebody else in a way that's going to get them to invest 
cash or or frankly you know you, you need to be selling your venture every time you're looking to bring on a customer or hire somebody it's all a series of decisions to invest time money or whatever so you're 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 gonna do a better job with engaging outsiders if you first do a very good job of doing your own homework of thinking through all the underpinnings who what when where why so what what makes sense um and in a sense it's kind of rinse and repeat okay here we are at this stage what are our assumptions what do we need to figure out what are the risks then you have that animated by some experience as you go out and, and try some things or develop something and then you have to re reevaluate the reevaluate the situation and reevaluate the facts. And one of the lessons I think really smart entrepreneurs that I've seen get is that's not sort of a one and done thing. It's a it's a continual process. It's part of the discipline, and it goes into every stage. Totally, and uh, having been working on my own venture it's a physical product i feel like validating at every stage has been so critical i've been prototyping and creating new versions of it and at every single stage even though i'm still pre-revenue um which is a stage in and of itself it's been you know this, this discovery uh talking to my user understanding what they're looking for if the product is actually a fit and i found that it's a fairly unorganized and a little bit intimidating of a space where you know i'm kind of out in the world there there's no plan to follow is there a specific method a specific strategy uh that you know generally any founder can follow that'll allow them to find this direction find this guidance continually validate pressure test their idea to make sure it's it works does it vary from industry to industry dramatically or loaded question there but well you know yes there is going to be variation from one industry to the next okay but i would argue that the underlying discipline associated with thinking through and and pressure testing um, your idea or your solution uh, has some common elements, okay? And, you know, one thing I have observed in a lot of stuff that I've done over the years has, has involved healthcare and med tech and such. So that's an area where, uh, you know, there's no shortage of really, really smart people. And oftentimes a challenge for some of those folks is to let go of the security blanket of being an expert on every minute detail of the technology, the physiology, whatever is the, you know, where the sort of the default position is to say, okay, I'm a real expert, so I can tell you down to 17 levels of detail how many microns are sitting on top of the whoosawaxes, okay? The fact of the matter is, we, at some level, you really need to dumb it down, okay? And I don't mean dumb it down, but, but get down to the core elements. And this will sound silly to say, okay, I, I had this, my maternal grandmother was this wonderful, wonderful person from rural Scotland, 
who lived to be very, very old. And, and, and if everybody on the planet had a person like this in their life, the world would be a better place. Well, so, and, and we called her Grammy. So I have this thing called the Grammy rule because Grammy also had the world's most finely tuned BS detector, uh, you know, ever made. So um, one of my uh, guiding rules is you better be able to break your idea down to something you could explain to Grammy in 90 seconds and she'd get it. Okay. And that's not all about, you know, the six microns of the who's what's this connect to the, that is, here's what the problem is. Here's what the solution is. Here's how we're solving it. Here's why it matters. Here's why somebody will pay us for it. Here are the resources we need to execute to get there. And here's why it's a good idea to put that money. Okay. And your goal there is then to have Grammy invite you to talk for another five minutes once you've explained that. And then after that, your goal is to have Grammy invite you to talk for another 30 minutes in a little more detail where she's able to ask you some questions. Okay. And again, you don't default to all the techno speak. It is who, what, when, where, why. You got to be telling a story that makes sense in terms of what the problem is, how you're solving it, how you're going to create that solution, why people are going to pay money for it, how it fits in the competitive landscape, how you're going to defend the proprietary nature, how you're going to grow, et cetera, et cetera. Then after Rami has invited you to talk for 30 minutes, your goal is to have her invite you to talk for 60 minutes with a little more questioning. And then after that, your goal is to have her dig in and invite you to talk for a couple hours. Okay. So what have I described there? Um, you know, your elevator pitch, your 90 second, you know, your, your five minute summary phone call, 30 minute uh, telephone call, an hour with uh, somebody digging in deeper. Okay. And if you think about it that way, it's kind of like if you're looking in a book, you can be looking in a huge textbook. And it's not like you delve into the, to get a picture of what the overall process is. You don't delve into chapter 16 and begin to read the third paragraph. What you do is you look at the index, right? You look at the table of contents. Here's what we're talking about. Oh, okay. I get it. This book is about, uh, about that process. Here's the progression. And so the first part is breaking things down into a logical sequence and, uh, and then figuring out how the moving parts fit to build any venture. There are a lot of unknowns, right? So what do you need to do around those unknowns? You need to create some assumptions for planning purposes, okay? Because you're, you're, you're creating new solutions. So you need to build in some assumptions, but you can't just wing it on assumptions. You need continually to be filling in the assumptions with interrogations of reality as it transpires. Okay, so what are some of your assumptions early on? You gotta make assumptions about how you're gonna develop something. 
So how do you resolve some of that? I can even provide some examples. Like okay. Product. I, I mean, it's what simply put, it's a mountain bike product. I'm not going to pitch it here. It's a mountain biking product, protects mountain bike suspension for extensions. Um, but the idea is I'm making all these assumptions on which suspension fork models it's compatible with because there are these tolerances, these clearances. In order to do that, I actually have to get the product in my hands. I have to test it because you can only make so many assumptions on your computer-aided design CAD software. Um, I'm also making some assumptions that it's it's a huge problem among mountain bikers that they're you know spending five six hundred dollars when they when they end up damaging this part do they want to protect it is it something that they're thinking about and as i've moved along i've validated these assumptions i've spoken with these users um i've pressure tested the idea uh and just really hit the road with with getting as connected and as close to the user as possible um and also putting myself in their shoes as a mountain biker myself very niche issue but i think it can speak a lot to what other founders might be dealing with whether you're doing a, a b2b sales well, and, 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 and that's a great that's a great example and at some level and this is one of those kind of universal themes is what questions do you need to ask okay and the, the example you've just laid out um you've experienced a particular project a uh, problem right and so in your head, you generalize this to a problem for every mountain biker, right? And it and it may be. And part of that creative spark of an entrepreneurship is, well, wait a minute, you know, there's a problem. Yeah, I've experienced, but it's a really broad-based problem. And, you know, every mountain biker I've ever known has had this problem and worries about it. And, okay, so, but then you're going to pressure test because you're going to pressure test a few things. You're going to be out there, hey, is this a problem for you? Hey, have you ever had this problem? Do you know of any other solution? And then what's the nev next level? Well, then you're going to be tinkering in your workshop and you're going to be doing your CAD or, or your prototyping or whatever. And then there's a whole other set of, of questions to ask. Okay, what would people pay for the solution? What are their requirements? How durable does it need to be? You know, are you making it out of titanium? Um, is it manufacturable? Is it such an expensive solution that people are going to say, yeah, problem, but I'm not going to pay that much for that solution. So it's really at any particular stage, understanding what are the questions we need to ask. And some of the questions are, some of the questions are built into the discipline of things. Okay. And, and I'll give you some, some tangible uh, uh, manifestations of that. Okay. And entrepreneurs are always focused on raising capital, right? And so, but it's, I would argue that it's not a one and done thing. You don't go and, okay, here's my business plan. Here are my, here's my, I suppose I'm kind of dating myself saying, here's my business plan because nobody pitches with a business plan anymore. But, um, here's my plan that's that's captured in this deck and I'm out there selling it. Okay, I've raised that series of financing. Well, the fact of the matter is, it is not what's your plan and what you've laid out in that deck and laid out in terms of here are the risks, here's the story, here's what we're seeking to accomplish, here are the milestones, et cetera, et cetera. You've also part and parcel been laying out your own path for execution, okay? Things change, stuff happens, 
Okay. Nothing ever go there. The, you know, what's the old saying? Uh, you know, the, the battle plan goes out the windows the moment the first shots are fired. I think there's an analogy for, for entrepreneurship. So the fact of the matter is it's always a process of where do we think we are? Where are we now? What do we need to do to adjust? What's gone right? And, and actually what's gone right is far less important than what's gone wrong and what do we need to adjust for? And then, it, but you build that, you build that analysis and you build that discipline in even into stuff that is mundane, right? Because if you are, you know, think about your financial reporting. Okay, here we are. And people talk about, uh, uh, you know, entrepreneurship and startups as a race against insolvency because, you know, until you've raised your next capital or gotten cash flow break even, you know, you are in a race with insolvency. So you need to pay attention to your, you know, your, your cash. Well, the fact of the matter is that as you're forecasting, that's all based on a bunch of assumptions, right? And you, you know, what did you project? What happened? How do you adjust? What do you learn from that? So no matter where you are, it is about focusing on the questions you need to ask. And that can be, what do we need to figure out about our prototyping process? What do we need to figure out about um, what are the risks we need to consider? That's, you know, every entrepreneur thinks it's all about selling investors on a, a vision that's going to motivate them to write a check. Okay. It's, and, and it's not like going on Shark Tank where it's all staged and somebody's, oh, well, that's nifty. Let's write a check. It is the, the price of admission to that conversation is that you can paint the upside. Then it's all about the discipline of, are you seeing all the pitfalls along the way with clear eyes? Are you being honest about the risks? And it's not a matter of being freaked out by the risks. It's a matter of understanding that everything in life involves risks and you need to have a plan for identifying them and mitigating them or circumnavigating them, okay? And that, again, is a process where you need to be interrogated. You know, what are the questions we have to ask, okay? what are the, We've done this experiment to validate our assumptions about this, you know, our prototype or about our next stage of development or whatever it is. And, okay, here's what we learned. Here's what the reality is from, from doing that. Test, evaluate, repeat. Test, evaluate, adjust, repeat. And, the, and that applies to all things. You've talked to your market a little bit. Well, the fact of the matter is when you go out and you first are talking to folks about your, uh, your suspension solution for the mountain bike, by definition, you're one guy, right? So you're not out talking to the entire market. You need to extrapolate out from the folks that you talk to to figure out, yeah, this is a problem. I'm not alone thinking that this is a problem. Yeah, I've kind of figured out that this solution is an attractive solution for which there will be a market. I've kind of figured out that uh, I can make these at a price that is economic and uh, where people will buy it, I could make money, et cetera, et cetera. Fact matters, fast forward, right? Fast forward and you're growing. 
And what are some of the things that you need to be aware of? Well, is anybody out there doing another thing? Is anybody out there trying to, you know, is there a competitive solution? Are there line extensions you can do? How do you make it a little better? How do you, how do you make it uh, cheaper? So you, you can never stand still and say, oh yeah, been there, done that. You know, the answer was, because the answer is always changing. And the answer is always going to be, the both questions and the answers are going to be animated by the reality as it evolves, right? For sure. And I, I think we bring up an important point is, as you're moving along, as you're you know, as you're seeing, looking ahead to the future, those product extensions or uh, scaling that that solution, you know, identifying whether people are having this issue, um, the underlying idea of are you building your product, are you building your service for for no one? Are you just building something that that's that's great in your mind? And and I guess my question to you, David, is at what point do these founders, do these entrepreneurs realize, okay? I'm building something that nobody wants, or I'm building something, I'm wasting my time building it this way, I should build it this way, and just balancing that, and maybe knowing when to when to throw in the towel. We don't, we do not want our founders to quit, by the way, we want you to per- persevere, you want, we want you to keep going. Um, but you know, at what point do you pivot? At what point do you realize, all right, enough's enough, or I need to do something something differently? Um, is there that kind of aha moment? Is there a general theme that you've seen in these founders? or? Great question, not necessarily an easy answer. And, um, you know, one of the things that makes me admire most entrepreneurs so much is being an entrepreneur takes a ton of courage and takes a ton of resilience. And, you know, there's no shortage of examples of successful entrepreneurs who point out, yeah, you're, you know, you're pointing at my successes, you know, whether Ben Franklin or whether Thomas Edison or, uh, you know, Elon Musk. Um, Yeah, you're pointing to all my successes, but, you know, I got a big pile of failures over there. Fact of the matter is most entrepreneurs who do well uh, you know, they, they have made mistakes, they've had failures, they crash and burn, they stub their toe, they, you know, it's, it's part and parcel of it. And the hope is that you learn and adjust with everything you do. Now, one of the things I think that is, is tough about entrepreneurship is, uh, our underlying human nature. Okay. We're all creatures who, you know, I mean, does it, you know, nobody wants to think their idea is not a good idea. Uh, you know, nobody wants to think they have an ugly baby. Um, you know, everybody approaches these approaches things with a little bit of pride of authorship, right? So it takes a lot of courage to go out and get, uh, you know, surround yourself with people who are really honest about, well, wait a minute, let's test your idea, right? And it's not always easy or natural to take your idea and and what you you know creative spark of inspiration look at it and say yeah you know not so much right and but the question is how you learn from that now the fact of the matter is there are a lot of people 
who have really, you know, there are different risks and different risk profiles in, in different industries. Okay. In the, in the healthcare space, in biotech, biopharma, you can be the smartest person on the planet. You can have an incredible idea. Well, why do some of those startups consume so much capital to get to market? Well, because there are some risks there that can't necessarily be controlled. Okay. You got a lot of things that there you have to spend enormous amounts of money to determine, okay, yeah, science doesn't work. Or, well, you know, this is great. It worked in a mouse, uh, but it's not working well in a human being. Well, the fact of the matter is to get there, uh, you got to have the courage there uh, to pursue that. But then you have to have a rational framework of where, you know, where does, where does success begin and end? Okay. Oftentimes it's about whether or not you can raise capital. Okay. Oftentimes it is. Um, uh, so a lot of it is about de-risking by continually interrogating the, the, uh, the world around you. Um, so I don't think there's a really easy answer for that. And um, there are some circumstances where you need to just keep your, you know, keep your feet going forward in the pile, knowing that uh, you can get there. And sometimes, you know, you got to look and say, hey, you know what, you know, this isn't our day. This this isn't working. Um, the, you know, the technology didn't work. It's too expensive. Um, but again, it's it's sometimes these things fail for you know, for reasons that are in control of the entrepreneur, sometimes they fail for reasons that are outside of the control of the entrepreneur. But, totally. I, you know, again, it's all about, you know, it's again, it's all about the discipline. Yeah, I think that gives a really complete picture of what it takes, um, you know, frankly, what it takes to be an entrepreneur, to accept those risks, to adapt and, and so forth. I think just I kind of want to pivot a little bit and go back to the idea of the Grammy rule. The I really like okay. that. I think I I really do. I think it's it's a great a uh, great principle to base uh, base your pitch off of. But I have to ask: uh, Is the Grammy rule and you know what your meaning behind it is? Does that apply to these entrepreneurs speaking with their users or speaking with investors, speaking with both? Um, and and what's the difference? Uh, I do have a further question on on users, uh, but first, like, is it, are they speaking to those users? Are they speaking to those those investors, or who is it? Well, I think it's to be honest. I think it's all of the above, and most fundamentally, it is in looking at the mirror and speaking to yourself. Okay, and yeah, I mean, we all have some variation on imposter syndrome, and and we all have doubts and. But the fact of the matter is, it is about asking those questions with naked honesty and then synthesizing the, the information we get as we interrogate the, the, the facts um, with naked honesty and then saying, okay, what do we do with it? Okay. And Asking those questions, I mean, oftentimes when you fail, you you stop and go, oh, 
wow, why didn't I think of that? Why didn't I see that thing coming from the blind side? Okay. Um, you know, again, a lot of what I've done is, is around healthcare and medical technology. And you find lots and lots of, of folks who, who have incredible minds who come up with these great ideas. And it's tough to explain, well, yeah, great idea. And I know you're the world's leaning expert on this and a, you know, a chaired professor at Harvard Medical School. But, you know, the addressable patient population for that is six people in, um, you know, in some far flung uh, a place. So that's pretty hard to pursue. Or, um, you know, another sort of classic uh, thing is you come up with an incredibly great technology solution and you ask, okay, well, how does that compare to what's out there now? And why are people going to pay that much in an environment where people are always talking about the, the high cost of healthcare? So people are going to pay more to do that. And yet, does it do a, a measurably better job at solving a problem that was already there or other things? Okay, well, who's going to pay for it? Yeah, you got to figure that out. But it's not that's not necessarily enough to ask, okay, who's going to make the purchasing decision? You then need to get down into levels of detail, like who's going to use it and what's their motivation to use it? And what do they do now? How do they get paid now versus how are they going to get paid using this new technology? So it's all about, so it's, it's in some respects, it's very situation specific. Uh, and it's, you don't have a cookie cutter where you say, okay, here are the eight questions you need to ask for everything. Well, no, you need to look and say, what are the questions that relate here to the general use case? to particular attributes of the industry, whether it's how you're going to get paid for this. Is there a regulatory approval to get there for this? Does it really solve a problem? Um, so, you know, and then when you're up against those, you got to ask, okay, with, with each of these steps we need to accomplish, what is the realistic array of both milestones and risks in getting there? Okay. And milestones are there, not just, you know, as nifty things along the side of the road. Sometimes they're about understand how you're, how you're tracking and, and how your progress is going. And are you lagging behind where you need to be? So, and, and again, it's not a static thing. It's a dynamic thing where you need to consider, you kind of need to look at things in three dimensions. For sure. Yep, I completely resonate with everything you said personally. Founders, absolutely excellent advice. Uh, again, what David said, things are dynamic. I think that's a really key takeaway. Um, just being quick on your feet, being able to realize when you need to change, listening to that user, uh, pressure testing your idea. I think this really sums up that concept overall really well. Um, David. And the, so the yeah. other thing I would, would add uh, is, is this, having good resources where you can pressure test and you can get honest feedback 
are really important. And again, entrepreneurship is a really tough, lonely place. So it's really good to have resources, whether it's a resource like a, you know, a mass challenge program, uh, it, you know, mentors of whatever kind. But what, what is really helpful is to go into that with, with an open mind and an open heart. And also, if you need thick skin, uh, so that you can ask the tough questions. Hey, I've got this idea and I'm prepared for the feedback that says it's not a great idea. And, uh, and also in, you know, when you go out to raise capital, you're going to hear the answer no from more people than you're going to hear the answer yes from. Okay. In the process, some of it's because uh, where somebody is in the stage where they are in their portfolio composition, where they are in their fundraising cycle. Um, but you got to pay attention to the feedback you get. And uh, and you should should ask for feedback. Okay, you know, am I too early? Are there, uh, and, and it can be, am I too early for you? But it also can be, is there something I'm not doing right? Is there something that that requires us to, to revisit our assumptions? Um, have we missed some things in terms of the value proposition, in terms of the, the plan, the story? So again, it's, it's all about getting that feedback and being very disciplined about proactively getting that feedback. Great. Totally. That's a great addition and, and, and again, further summarizes really well. David, I, I think I'd love to move on to just kind of any any general advice that you have for our founders and any thoughts that you might have on macro trends, things around the startup environment. Uh, we don't have to dive into any specifics, um, but just you know maybe any general advice, uh, thoughts on where the market's moving. We can just go from there and, uh, and, and kind of finish up for our founders here. You're always going to have ups and downs and you're always going to have things to deal with in the environment it's not always smooth sailing and it's not always with the wind at your back okay you're always going to have circumstances that you know right now we've got all sorts of stuff going on from wars to to aftermath of pandemic to uh you know to bank failures and all sorts of stuff and all of that stuff is stuff to learn lessons from. And all of that creates creates circumstances that you just need to take into account in uh, in going forward. Because it's a tough environment does not mean that a good idea with a good solution, uh, is not going to succeed in getting capital. It may mean that you need to go about it a different way. It may mean that uh, you're going to have a tougher time raising capital. The fact of the matter is good businesses get built in good markets and bad. Uh, the fact of the matter is, and as emotionally as people react to tough times in the uh, public markets, as we're dealing with now, with a lot of volatility and a lot of uncertainty. The fact of the matter is, 
private businesses are a very good place for investors to go against that backdrop because they're not thinking about the the uh, the exit environment. Um, so I would come back to some of the notions of is there a real solution? Is there a real problem? How are you going to get there? And the really good entrepreneurs are not me too people, right? The really good entrepreneurs are people who come up with a solution that somebody else hasn't thought about, okay? And, you know, we've seen, you know, right now we're seeing some crazy things in the macro environment, but it's not the first time. I mean, I, I'm a little uh, older than than you are by definition, um, but you know, you'll get to a point where you look and say, "Oh, geez, I've seen some of these recurring patterns." Okay, you see some of these business cycles. You see some things, whether it is uh, a bank failing for. Uh, you know, for mismanagement or, uh, you know, a Theranos that uh, imploded with tons of money invested because you had a dishonest founder and you had investors that uh, can arguably be said not to have asked some fundamental questions about what's there, right? And, but the the unifying themes I think prevail that if you got good, honest, well-motivated founders who are doing their best to move along a meaningful solution to a meaningful problem in a way that makes sense and where they can make the case that people will pay for the solution and they can grow a, uh, you know, grow a successful business. That's a universal truth. That that is maybe there are variations on the theme. Maybe you have, oh yeah, it's a tough environment this day or or that day. Um, but that is ultimately going to prevail. And at its core, it requires a very hard look at the truth. What are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? What do we need to do differently? How do we need to develop this? What did we think? And how did the reality turn out uh, relative to our assumptions? How do we adjust from that? So, you know, I, I would just, uh, you know, I just commend all entrepreneurs who were out there in the trenches um, doing it. Because you know they are what make the world go round, and they're they're the ones that solve our problems. Um, and make sure you are proactive about reaching out to other people uh, to get their and you know their input uh, that'll help animate your decision making, and and in some cases give you support that is going to be uh, useful to you. And uh, so I, I hope that's helpful. I, I hope it responded to your question. I'm not sure, but extremely helpful, David. Yeah, they're very, very helpful. Please have absolutely no doubts. I, I think, you know, 
this has been a fantastic episode. I think we touch on a lot of points and really paint a clear picture of how interconnected so many of these factors are um, between the problem, the user, fundraising, uh, you yourself as a founder, um, are you or your team coachable? Uh, can you pivot? Can you strategize as things move along? Um, continually pressure testing that idea. I think this really paints that picture really well. And founders, uh, I hope you really enjoyed listening. David, thank you so, so much for coming on to the Investor Byte segment of Hey Founded. And we really look forward to staying connected in the future. Really appreciate it. My great pleasure. And thank you for having me. And to founders listening, uh, please don't be bashful about reaching out if I can be helpful. Uh, and um, great job with the show. And thank you for putting it on. And thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you again, David. And that is David Hendren with his advice and perspectives on how us founders can successfully scale and stress test our venture ideas at really any stage. Thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for more on the Investor Byte segment of the Hey Founded podcast. <laughs>